listening to the Apollo Podcast Network. One. Win championships, you've got to have a championship organization. Rexa, what a pass to Anders. McCain follows. Doyle branch fires, he converts. Rhymes again. Tough shot. Pull up three in transition for Angela Harris. Jerome says not tonight, not in Houston. And welcome to the first episode of Pot Slam Jamma presented by Clutch City Control Room, your home for all things Houston Hoops. I'm one of your hosts, Tamer Knight, and you can find me on Twitter at T Knight Sports. That's T K N I G H T Sports. And I'm your second host. My name is Andy Yanev, and you can find me on Twitter at A Yanez underscore five. That's capital A, capital Y. And be sure to follow the official Clutch City Control Room account at Clutch City CR. And I'm your third and final host, Justin Barbosa. And you can find me on Twitter at jbarbosa underscore 95. And if you appreciate the podcast, do us a favor and hit the subscribe button on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever it is you listen to your podcast. We would greatly appreciate it. On the first episode of the Pasta Pajama, we will discuss your Cougars men's and women's basketball, ranging from injuries, the departure of key players, new assistant coaches, and our perspective on the 2020-2021 season, and so much more. Justin and Andy, let's jump right into it. The men's basketball team is without Nate Henson, as he's entered his name into the NBA draft. Let's talk a little bit about Henson. Yeah, Nate Henson's going to be a big, big uh, key for the University of Houston men's basketball team to try to replace. Obviously, he led the team last season in rebounds, um, but really he was a bit of a Swiss Army knife for the team. He did a little bit of everything. He also led them in steals. He was third in the team in points per game. So trying to have to replace him is not going to be an easy task. Um, what do you guys think, uh, what big of an impact his departure will have on the team? I think it's pretty big because Nate Hinton, had, for a guard, he had 8.7 rebounds a game, and then you're going to miss – another 1.4 steals a game. So he's pretty effective on the boards and also on the defensive side as well. And, I mean, obviously he was great at rebounding and he was great as a player, but for me it was his level of intensity. Um, I don't know if you guys have been to the games to actually watch him play. Like just whether he's on the court or off the side, on, off to the sideline, the, the hype that he brings to his teammates, I think – the Cougars really needed that to, you know, help them move forward. But not saying that they don't have that anymore. It's just something about his energy when he's on the basketball court. He was one of the main guys. I always go after loose balls, try to get into passing lanes. Just one of those really high-energy guys. And he's aggressive. Right. That, and he's very aggressive. Right. I was going to jump on what you said, Tamer, about his energy. Um, obviously, of course, Kelvin Sampson called him the heart and soul of the team last season. That's a big praise coming from Kelvin Sampson. And, like you said, when he would lock in on defense, you would just feel the energy. He kind of, he was kind of the the quarterback for the defense, especially um, coming from a guard position where he did, um, like uh, Justin said, with the leading the team in rebounding. Um, he's going to leave a big hole, and it's it's going to be interesting how the University of Houston men's basketball team can cover that. He had a little funny thing he used to do where he would clap and then he'll hit the court whenever you know they were taking yes. the ball out or they made a really big play. I think that was. That was pretty interesting, but that just goes to show you that, you know, he, he's dedicated and he really, really loves what he does. But for me, I just want to know, what do you guys think about, you know, 
college athletes that kind of just leave college just to go into the NBA draft, do you think that it benefits them in a way or do you think it kind of hinders their success as a basketball player? Ooh, that's an interesting uh, question. Um, Kelvin Sampson actually talked about that um, in a recent media availability. And um, really, that's just the sign of the times of how it is nowadays. Um, you know, when we talk about this podcast, it's called Pod Slamajama. And obviously, it's a, it's a homage to the Five Slamajama team from the 80s. Um, and you think about that team, they had Hakeem Olajuwon, Clyde Drexler, and those two guys, they wouldn't be um, – maybe there is no Five Slamajama. That team uh, is – you know, those players would have played now because you're not going to keep those those players for, for more than a season. They're, they're putting their names in the draft, and they're they're going to be one and done, so they did it. And if, if it was today's game, when it comes to Nate Hinton declaring for the NBA draft and other players like him, it's just kind of a sign. Kelvin Sampson talks about it all the time when uh, it comes to agents. And um, you let agents talk to these players, and sometimes they might convince them, you know, their their dream for these college players isn't to to play in the NCAA. It's to get paid for playing basketball. And if they see that as a viable option, uh, sometimes they'll they'll take it. Whether it's in the NBA or overseas or now with the G League that's coming up as a viable option for these college players. Justin, what do you think? I absolutely agree, and I think it's gonna. Well, I think a new role for the NBA now is probably gonna have more college players play more years because. Now the top prospects in high school now have the availability to play like in a G League developmental program with the NBA G League. Yeah, and they're going to get X amount of money. I can't remember the exact amount of money they're getting paid to play, but I think I'm going to have to not disagree, but kind of go opposite of what you guys said. I, I know it opens up doors for great opportunities, and obviously you know, if every player could go to the NBA, you know, that would be their dream, but – for me, that's the thing for me. It's like, okay, if you don't make it to the NCAA, if you don't make it to the NBA or if you don't make it to the G League, you know, getting that college degree just kind of gives you something to fall back on. Obviously, college will always be there, of course. But, I mean, who wants to go back to college after you've been out of college for so long? You know what I mean? So that's just my whole take on it. I think it's not a bad idea to just completely abandon college. But for me, I, I feel like sometimes I just wish that some of them would you know, use the opportunity to get their degree because most of them are usually on a full ride or, you know, things like partial scholarships. So, so like, if they don't make it with basketball, I feel like they should have a backup plan. But hopefully everyone that makes those types of decisions are in a position to be well off in the basketball world. So the Cougars are currently without Nate Hinton and they are now going to be without another key player, Fabian White Jr. He is with an injury. Yeah, he's going to be off for the entire season. He tore the ACL, so he's he's uh, redshirted his his senior season. Uh, he'll he'll come back in twenty twenty one, twenty twenty uh, twenty two. Who's yeah, going to step uh, up? <laughs> Who's stepping up, yeah, y'all? For sure. Um, to to go on that point, um, this is a, an an interesting stat that I pulled up from doing research for the show. Um, the Cougars are actually they're going to lose their top three rebounders heading into next season. Um, obviously with Nate Hinton, he led the team in rebounding, but Fabian White was right there. He was their second leading rebounder. And then Chris Harris, who graduated. Graduated. Uh, um, he was their third leading rebounder. So top three leading rebounders just gone to the University of Houston Cougars. And for a team that led the nation in rebounding, or at least was at the top of the nation in rebounding, that's going to be interesting to see how they replace those numbers. I know they have a lot of 
front court players that are coming in that are new. Uh, and the one they're really excited about is the redshirt uh, Jawan Roberts. It's going to be interesting to see what they have to do when they step up because they're going to get a lot of minutes early in the season. You beat me to it. I was just going to say, but I know that that coaching staff has done a great job of recruiting some new key players. You mentioned one of them, but another is Dejon Giroux. We all know that he also plans to leave and entered his name into the NBA draft, but he's coming back. So I think he's going to be a great asset and he's going to be one of those veterans and hopefully we see him on the court as a leader this upcoming season. Yeah, Dejon Giroux is going to have a very interesting He's going to have a lot of eyes on him, uh, considering last season he struggled uh, a lot. A lot of his averages went down from the 2018-19 season, especially his three-point shooting percentage. It just it was really, really low at 17.5%. Uh, and um, like uh, Kelvin Sampson talked about it a few weeks ago, um, Dejon didn't have a good year. And uh, the Cougars are going to count on him to have a bounce-back season and really take over that leadership role that, that's going to be left with Fabian White injured and Nate Hinton not coming back. Um, a lot of responsibility and a lot of leadership is going to be on Dejan Jerome, and it'll be interesting to see how, how he responds to the challenge. Jerome actually overcame a lot of obstacles last season. Um, I know right. he lost his grandmother and some other couple of things that uh, hit him, hit his heart, that will hurt his heart, I should say, um, last season. So for somebody to be going through such things like that, I mean, he didn't do his very best, but he also didn't do terrible at all. Absolutely. He, he, still, he still led the team in assists. Um, he, he had impacts on the game, but um, just – from where he was a year ago, it was a dip. And, and he did start off the season. He broke his hand just a month before uh, last season started. And that, that really affected his shooting the entire season. And he was in and out of the starting lineup and just a lot of a lot of movement for him. And coming into this season, it'll be interesting to see if, if he has a full season without having to worry about rehabbing an injury and, and just really that spot for him to take, that leadership spot's going to be there for him to take. And It'll be interesting to see how, how the 2020-2021 season goes for him. Justin, you're, you, you forgot about us over there, buddy. Anything <laughs> you would like to add about Jerome, Nate Henson, um, the new prospect? Well, I want to add in, uh, I want to talk about Quentin Grimes. He kind of had an up-and-down season in his really first season at U of H. Uh, but he started really get it going in the last couple games, especially in the final game against Memphis, where he, I think he scored like 12 points in a row. And that's, that was really a great set-off to really go into the American tournament, unfortunately, which was canceled due to the pandemic. Yeah, Quentin Grimes, uh, they're high on him. Uh, again, from the same media availability a few weeks ago, Kevin Sampson talked about uh, Quentin Grimes looks and acts like a veteran. Now, that's a direct quote uh, from Sampson. They're really high on him, and, and they see that he's more – He's more embraced the team's culture. Um, he seems to be all in with the University of Houston team. Uh, last season, obviously, he had to he had to deal with a lot coming from Kansas and having to adjust to a new system and a uh, a new coach, a new everything, and it's not easy to do. How could we have forgotten about Quentin Grimes when we talked about who's going to step up when, since Nate Henson's gone and who's going to be there since Fabian White Jr. is gone. Because Quentin Grimes definitely, last year, he came and he made a name for himself. He sat on the bench prior to last season. And I can just remember um, how, how hype 
um, the the players and the coaches were to have him a part of the program. So I'm really anxious to see, you know, what these guys can do in the 2021 season. Speaking of the 2021 season, you know, with quarantine and um, social distancing and no fans, what do you guys think the season is going to be like for them? I know they're kind of just getting back into practicing and, you know, actually being able to practice together as a team instead of individually. So what do you think um, – what do you prospect for their 2020-2021 season? Yeah, there's still a lot of uncertainty in the air. I know today the American Athletic Conference just announced their plan for, for the fall sports. Um, and really, I was surprised with how much um, really they've decided to let the, the schools um, follow a relatively uh, the same schedule. Uh, they've kept all eight, non- uh, all eight regular conference games for, for football, and they've uh, allowed each team to have the flexibility of up to four non-conference games. So really their schedule hasn't been impacted as much compared to, you say, the other conferences. I know like uh, the SEC went to a non-conference schedule. And that really surprised me that they've they've been really um, – they've given a lot of power to the universities themselves and let them Make pretty Make the executive much, decisions. Exactly. I'm actually excited to see um, – how how this works out, but I know for basketball they kind of have it a little bit easier because you know football is kind of right here. It's coming up. It's 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 in the next few weeks. But basketball they have a little because I can only imagine. You know they're kind of are they completely in shape? You know what I mean? You know, they've been sitting right. at home or you know I know they've been probably practicing on their own using the basketball to dribble in the in the driveway or you know going to practice and play you know one on one or something with their friends or things, but. I can only imagine, you know, how fatigued they could be coming back into this. So they have a little bit of time to kind of, you know, get back into the groove of things, um, rehabilitate and kind of catch their breath because it's been a while. So I'm eager to see what they can do. And I hope by the time the preseason starts, they're able to pull this off. And hopefully by the time preseason starts, we're able to go in there and watch them, you know, (laughs) play because – it's no fun if we're, you know, we're not watching. We're not there in the Fatida Center. I mean, the the Fatida Center is really a really a really big deal for all for these sure. sports, but but for men's basketball, I know they bank on that because like I've heard Kelvin Simpson say it over and over again. You know, they can't they couldn't have done it without the Fatida Center, and without the Fatida Center, I mean, the fans, the supporters, the people that come there and they cheer and they make the atmosphere uncomfortable for other teams. For sure. And uh, Justin, I'll let you have the last word, but um, when it comes to what the schedule will look like for men's basketball and for women's basketball, a lot of it's still uncertain. I know uh, for women's basketball, Ron Huey was talking about how they've already been impacted with a, with a non-conference tournament. They were scheduled to play in, in Mexico, if I'm not mistaken, and that has been moved to, to Florida as of now. So I know with men's basketball, I've really, I've heard a lot of rumors from whether they should push back the start of the season to January and just have conference play or if they start even earlier for so they can get those non-conference games in before Christmas break. Um, so a lot of it's still uncertain, and it'll be interesting to see what the conferences choose it with since they, they've already missed out on March Madness in 2020. Um, they probably are trying to do everything they can to have March Madness in 2021. Yeah, I agree with the Fertitta Center out. It's one of the best atmospheres in college basketball when everybody's there. The energy's really high. And also about the schedule, Andy, wasn't the Cougars supposed to play A&M in Hawaii? With Texas A&M? Yes. Yeah, they do have a – they were invited to the Hawaii tournament 
I remember now. I'm not sure exactly of the specific details right now. All those non-conference games, there's still a lot of uncertainty depending on what the American Athletic Conference decides to do with the winter sports like men's basketball and really what the rest of the NCAA decides to do too. Coming up, we're going to bring you all things women's basketball on the final segment of the podcast. And we're back here at Pod Slamajama, presented by Clutch City Control Room, preparing to discuss the addition of two new assistant coaches to the women's basketball coaching staff. Tamer, I'll take it to you. What are you gonna? What can you tell us about the new assistant coaches? So I do know that um, Lissandra Barrett, she was actually on the Cougars coaching staff last year, but not as an assistant coach. She was the um, director of recruiting operations at the time, but now she will take on this new role as an assistant coach, particularly in coaching the wing players. I had a chance to catch up with um, Coach Huey, and he just talked so highly of, of both coaches. Um, he, he used the term family, and he said that, you know, these two ladies, they're like family to these to these players, and that's kind of what helps them. That's what's kind of helped them mold, you know, to be – a better team. Obviously, Denise Parker, she's new, she's incoming, but I think the relationships that she's kind of built already with them through Zoom and, you know, the, the, some of them she even admitted that she hadn't even met just yet, but she just, they all, they both seem ecstatic to be here. Um, and I'm just really looking forward to seeing how the Cougars um, improve with two new coaches. They have a lot of new freshmen coming in. They lost Dorian Branch, who was a great asset to their team. But don't forget it. They have Julia Blackshell Fair. They have Tatiana Hill, um, Diamond Gladney. Diamond Gladney, who she has really, really turned things around um, prior to prior to her, her her first season as a Cougar basketball player. She she went from averaging, I think, what. 1.8 points to 11.7 um, points last, last season. So she's really turned it around. She stepped it up. And so these two coaches, um, I think they're coming into a great group. And Barrett already knows, you know, the lingo and the style of Cougar women's basketball and how C- Coach Huey likes to run things. So I think she's going to fit in just perfectly um, in her new role. And, you know, she's coached um, a lot of different places prior to coming to Houston and she's from Houston, and she um, explained that she's just so happy to be back home here in Houston. So, like I said, I'm just really excited to see what what the Cougars can do with the addition of two new coaches. So, Tamara, do you think the team will improve on to next season after finishing this past season with a 12-19 and record and 5-11 and in conference play? I absolutely do, because you know why? I had an opportunity to speak with them all, and they just kept telling me, Please, please, please don't bring up last season. They, Julia Blackshell Fair in particular, she told me, you know, I know that's not us. I know we're so much better than that. And, you know, this year they're really, really looking to turn things around. And I think with the mindset as Julia, as the, um, with the mindset that Julia's had, and she's also the new leader, like I said, because Dorian Branch is no longer a part of the team. She's graduated and gone on to do bigger things. Um, Julia Blackshell Fair, she's just, she was very persistent and adamant about saying, we cannot focus on last season because last season was not who they were as a program. And Coach Hugh kind of backdoored and told her, you know, like, we made our mistakes, but this season we're going to come back and we're, we're looking to do things very differently. They got a couple of new red shirts that are going to be coming in alongside these new freshmen. And the freshmen, they are pumped up. They're excited. They're eager. And so I think with the new addition of the two coaches, 
the red shirts that's been on the roster and they just couldn't play last year in the 2019-2020 season. With the addition of the new freshman, I really hope to see um, women's basketball kind of turn things around. Tamer, you mentioned a little bit about the, the red shirts. Um, is there anyone in particular that, that UH fans should keep their eye on and expect big things from this coming season? As far as I can remember, I remember last season just hearing so much about Maya Crump. Um, the same thing for her. Like, her energy was just great on the sidelines. I'm just watching her. And having Julia Blackshell Fair on an interview last week, you know, she just talked about how ecstatic she is to have Crump on their roster. Um, she brings great energy. They all have great hustle. And although we haven't seen these red shirts practice, um, they they assured me that, they can play. They can play basketball, and they are they are just as good as the players we've seen playing. And they feel as if those red shirts are going to really help turn things around for 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 University of Houston's Cougar basketball. So I think we should all keep our eyes on uh, Maya Crump, but not forgetting about not forgetting about the other red shirts like Paris Netherly or or um, Bria Andrier. So. With those three, I, I mean, in addition to those three in the freshman, like I said, I'm just looking forward to seeing what they can help co- kind of put together for this team. You talk a little bit about Diamond Gladney. Um, do you see anyone else on the roster that may have not had a big of an impact last season but can make that big jump heading into their uh, this season for the Cougars? I mean, let's not forget last year, last season, I should say, um, their key player – Jasmine, she just completely left the team, you know. So Diamond's whole thing for for last her 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 play last season was I had to step up, you know, because we were we were down a player, we didn't have a big roster at the time, so you know it was go big or go home, and so she had to step in. But not only did Diamond Gladney step in, we had Tatiana Hill. Tatiana Hill, she's a great rebounder. She's defensively, she's great. Um, but I think that, you know, Bria Patterson, she's going to come in. She's just a sophomore. So she still has time to, you know, come in and continue to grow. She's gotten so much better from her first year, and she continues to grow, and she's acknowledged that. But I think Bria Patterson's going to do big things this year. Again, um, Julia Blackshell Fair, Maya Jones, Tatiana Hill, these are Jasmine Lewis. These are all players that's been there. They, they, they've seen Coach Hughes' style of coaching. They know the, the aurora of what's expected and, uh yeah justin when it comes to the women's basketball team uh can you talk a little bit about what you're looking forward to coming into this season well definitely looking forward to a little bit more even playing field now that if y'all know know uh uconn's not leaving the american conference going to the big east and uconn's been you know pretty much the big team for the past 10 years of all college basketball on the women's Mm -hmm. side so I kind of evens out the playing field in the American. I know the Cougars will feel good about going into next season. That's an excellent yeah, point. Without <laughs> UConn being in the AAC, I feel like the Cougars have so much more of a chance to win more games and be at the top of be the top seeds this season. Um, I don't think they have an excuse, you know, with the the. UConn just used to dominate, you know? So I feel as if, obviously, they still have Memphis. They still have UCF. They still have some pretty big teams to compete against. But don't forget, like, you know, U of H is a really, really, really big 
team and they have really some really good players. And so I think with their athleticism from and their coaching staff kind of molding that together, they can do some pretty big things and make a name for themselves since UConn is no longer a part of the AAC. Real quickly, um, without UConn, who do you see the biggest uh, challenge to the University of Houston and 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 the kind of not necessarily fill the void that UConn is leaving, but become that number one team in the American Conference? I am going to say they still have, like I said, they still have to face UCF. They still have to face Memphis. These, the teams in the American Athletics, they, they, they are not, you know, they're not UConn, I should say. I mean, without UConn, they still have pretty big teams to beat, like UCF. Tulsa, Memphis, these are all teams that we've seen them struggle with in the past. So hopefully without UConn, you know, they kind of have a new mindset. They go into the season with a new mindset. I mean, obviously they probably won't win every single game, which would be great if they did. But, you know, they still have these pretty big teams. And I think, I, I think number one for me, it's either going to be Memphis or UCF because that's the two teams that I've seen them constantly struggle with every season. It's like they'll win a game at home versus them, but when they go back to their home, you know, they don't have that home court advantage and they kind of struggle a little bit. But in order to be the top of the AAC, they're just going to have to be able to beat them at home and on the road. You know what I mean? So what about you, Justin? What do you think? Yeah, I think they'll uh, perform better next year, a little bit more better competition, especially without you know, UConn being in the way. And do you think that the University of Houston women's basketball team could, could make a push for the number one spot in the American? I would say maybe around like the – Maybe three to four seeds as of right now. Oh man, the third Wait. or fourth. I mean, I mean, you know, I'm, if you want to be realistic, they're gonna go from what number seven or eight last season and just try to jump right to number one. It, it seems like it's unrealistic, but you know, I'm, I'm, I want the Cougars to do good things, you know, and I, and it's, uh, I, I really do, you know. I, I would love to see them take over the number one spot because you know, for so many years, it's just been UConn. I mean, why can't it be the University of Houston and the number one seed? You know what I mean? Absolutely. And just, um, I know both of us were a part of the, the podcast Zoom meeting they had last week. And a big message that, the, that I got from the women's basketball team is this year, they're looking for redemption. Uh, they're redemption hungry. From, exactly. exactly. They're hungry. Exactly. They are hungry. But I do know, um, we talked a little bit about the Petita Center and the first segment. But I do know that the Cougars um, women's basketball team, they are looking for the support from their fans and, you know, just anybody that can and will. They want the support of the city of Houston. Students, they want it all because they truly believe, like, it takes a village and they just really want the support, the same support that the men's team get. And, you know, me, I might be a little bit optimistic because, I mean, I'm a female, but I can kind of sympathize with them, you know? It's just like when you go to a men's game, it's packed, it's full, the energy is there. But as the the most previous host for the in-game arena host for women's basketball, I've seen them fight some of the biggest fights, but with no support. So for them, they're looking to win with hopes that, you know, people will want to come out and watch them play. People will give them a chance and the opportunity to, to, to redeem themselves. Because, I mean, obviously they had a really bad season last year, but I think they're, they're coming off of a really bad season, but coming into the new season with a new mindset. They got a partially new team, 
um, not even a new team. Most of these girls were here last year, but, you know, they got two new coaches. They got some freshmen coming in. The red shirts that they're really, really excited about. Um, they And on the call last week, they just spoke so highly of these red shirts. I'm really excited to see what they can do. Like, obviously, with social distancing and quarantine and coronavirus, we may not be able to go and watch them play, but I feel as if we, as the public and as the city of Houston kind of projected our positive energy on them, that will give them more of a little bit of a head start because they'll go into the season with a little more confidence. They'll feel like they got the city on their back. And we'll leave you with a quote from Julia Blackshell Fair, um, which she did say last week in that Zoom meeting, um, and I quote, I want more people to be able to come to our games too to see what we are made of and just show them what we have and what we can do, end quote. So they're hungry. They want people, as many people as they can, to come watch them play and really have the University of Houston be recognized not just for their men's basketball program but for their women's side too. And it'll be interesting to see how how they can compete, um, obviously, now that UConn's not there. I mean, how sweet would it be to watch the women's team go from being the seven or eight seed to the number one seed in a matter of just one season. That's going to do it for the first episode of Pasta Majama. If you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you appreciate the consistent digital and podcast breakdowns, analysis, speculation, guest voices, and camaraderie of our team, please consider clicking the link in the description to check out the one of our monthly Patreon subscription options. And as always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back for our next episode of Pod Slamma Jamma, covering your University of Houston Cougars.